0: Welcome to our Bible class. This time we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. It will be good for you to have your Bible open to that place. 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13. And this complements what we studied last time. In the previous video, we were looking at the qualifications Paul gave for elders. In this video... We will take the same approach concerning deacons, and this is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. If you were with us last time in the previous video, much of what I said then applies again in this passage. And I'm saying that this is a description of the whole. Uh, The specific parts of this must never be separated out From the whole, that becomes a loss of good perspective. The whole is a description of good character that suits a man for specific work. We want this study, like the last one, to be centered in the text. It's tempting sometimes when you come to these passages to think about individual people in churches and hypotheticals and experiences But what we need to do is focus on the text. Many churches struggle to appoint and maintain deacons due to the mobility of the younger generation. About the time brethren are ready to complete the task, young families sometimes move off to another location. But whatever our circumstances are locally, this text cannot be neglected and goals should remain in place. 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. The word likewise, the word likewise in verse 8 is an indication of connection with the previous section about elders. And the idea is just as elders must meet those qualifications, deacons must meet these qualifications. Remember, I illustrated last time with a pie, a whole pie that has component parts. The whole here is character that suits a man to perform specific areas of work, to take responsibility not in terms of oversight, but in other specific tasks that need to be done within the group. Let's spend a few minutes with this word deacon. The English word deacon primarily denotes a servant or an attendant, one who is rendering service voluntarily, knowing the Lord's work is being served in all good conscience. The Greek word used by Paul is diakonos, and the definition is simply a servant, one who serves, one who ministers. In the most general sense, of course, we are all ministers, since we all have service to perform and work to do in advancing and maintaining the kingdom and nourishing the people. This, in 1 Timothy 3, is a specific task assigned to qualified men over time. There is nothing in the word that specifically defines each and every task The word simply has to do with one who serves, one who ministers. Men who are recognized for this function must be dignified. The word in some translations is reverent, and it is about one's overall demeanor, serious about the Lord and his work. The Lord's work is not a sideline. It is not something you do. If, you know, if you have some extra time. It is not something to be done in a half-hearted way. Men who are recognized as deacons need to be men who really take the Lord's work seriously. They hold God in reverence. Their work for the Lord becomes a passion, not a hobby or a sideline. Then it says not double-tongued or if you have the New International version, sincere. This is about a man who is fully trustworthy. You can depend upon what he says. He doesn't say one thing to one person, and then when speaking to another, something contradictory. He is a good, sincere man. Remember, the primary thrust of all of this about elders and deacons is character. Not addicted to much wine. The NIV says not indulging in much wine. This, I believe, is exactly what is said about elders in the previous section. Not guilty of intoxication. And I will remind us that a prohibitive statement should never be taken as permission. So I ought not to read this and say, well... I can drink intoxicants right up to the point before it becomes too much. No, prohibitive statements are never to be taken as permission. Of course, the New Testament teaches all Christians are to be sober. Not greedy for dishonest gain. If you have the King James, an interesting turn phrase, Uh, mostly considered archaic today, not greedy of filthy lucre. It just sounds more sinister in the King James, but all we're talking about is not covetous, not greedy, honest in handling money. Same for the elders, not lovers of money. No suggestion that if you are not an elder or deacon, you are permitted to be greedy. Remember This is all about the whole. These are the phrases and components that describe the whole, and the whole is good character. An interesting phrase comes up in verse 9. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Mystery doesn't mean you can't know it, or it's unknown or difficult to figure out. In the New Testament, the word mystery has a very specific connotation. It means that which was hidden, but has now been fully revealed. Compare the Old Testament with the New. That which was hidden, but now has been fully revealed. Well, men who are appointed as elders and deacons must be men who are clear in their conscience about the wholeness of the faith, that's been delivered. They know the gospel, they've obeyed the gospel, their conscience is governed by it. And that word hold conveys consistent attachment. You can't just visit the gospel. You can't just visit a baptistry and let that be it. You can't just offer verbal praise. Your conscience and life must be firmly holding to the gospel in a steadfast way. A man who plays around with various ideas and doctrines and doesn't exhibit stability is not qualified for either of these functions, elders or deacons. There is a strong indication in all this it is not just a man that has a certain skill. It is not that he is available. It's not that people like him though it will be good for all of that to be true. This must be a man of faith. And the people know him well about his faith. They're acquainted with the consistency and steadfastness of his faith and his character. Then it says, let them also be tested first. I think this is very important. In the secular business world, there may be situations where you just try somebody out in a job for a while to see if they can do it and then decide if it will be permanent. So there is a trial period. In some jobs, there is a uh, probation, probationary status, or maybe in some cases, something like an audition. You don't know for sure how everything's going to work out, but you give the man a try. You just throw the man into the mix and see what happens. Paul says, About deacons, you can't do that. They must be tried and proved first, then let them serve. Now, how long is that testing period? Scripture doesn't specify a time. Judgment and consensus must find an intersection. But the primary idea here is the man must have proved himself to be suitable before he is recognized in this function. The word blameless is parallel to above reproach in the previous section about elders, back in verse 2. It doesn't describe sinless perfection. It means there's no outstanding charges or unresolved questions about the man. One translation says, unblemished character. All of us should strive to have unblemished character. Verse 11 Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. It is commonly observed that the pronoun there may well connect back not just to deacons, but elders as well. Uh, I would offer no objection to that, since it is obvious if an elder or deacon's wife is irreverent, guilty of slander, not generally faithful to the Lord. In either case, men are inhibited in serving. And I think we are certain of this. All of us, regardless of gender or marital status, ought to be reverent. All of us should avoid slander. All of us should be sober-minded. All of us should be faithful in all things. When the wives of elders, deacons, or preachers exhibit contempt for unity, engage in gossip or slander, or show they are unfaithful, it always works against their husbands, but most important, it is sinful in the sight of God. Verse 12 is parallel to what is said in the previous section about elders, but worded differently. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. You know what this is about. Good, godly, family, men. Good, godly, family, men. A good marriage that honors God, presiding in the home in such a manner, God's word is honored, and the family is a good example. Verse 13 is an important part of this. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. It is not just recognition or having your name listed. The essence of this, the substance of this is serving well. Uh, That is strongly suggestive of activity. But not just activity, activity that brings benefit to the other Christians, to the group that has value, serving well. And if you serve well, it will serve you well. That's the idea in verse 13. If you serve well in the Lord's kingdom, serve well equipping and helping the Lord's people and the Lord's work, it will serve you well. So a principle comes up here. When a man serves to his best capacity, when any of us do whatever we can consistently and in keeping with Scripture, God is glorified. People are benefited, but we benefit. Now, if you never serve as an elder, deacon, or evangelist, the principle that comes off the page here is serving well. And benefiting from serving well. The man in this context who serves well gains a good standing. He enjoys great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's our study of deacons in 1 Timothy 3 8 13. A few final remarks. I want us to just think about this. There is no evidence of lots of controversy or conflict about appointing elders and deacons in the first century. We know there were elders in many churches, Acts 14, 23. Elders in the church at Ephesus where Timothy worked. Philippians 1 verse 1 mentions elders. Titus was told to appoint elders. There seems to be more of a tendency toward controversy about elders and deacons today than was evidenced in New Testament times. I also want to mention that these are divinely established criteria, so we cannot settle for less or demand more. And all of these about elders and deacons are about character in its wholeness, godly character men should not just do something because they want to be appointed to an officer function they should exhibit such character that they will be recognized and appointed to that function you do what you're able to do in the best possible way with good attitude in relation to others until you die that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Thank you for listening.